Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. I sure did. Sorry that I am posting this episode a little later than usual. I know I post every Monday and Friday, but I felt like hanging out with the family a little bit more, and I was also out of town and didn't have any of my equipment. I could have produced an episode, but it would have sounded like straight ass, and I don't want to do that to you guys. So, again, hope you guys had a good Memorial Day weekend. Uh, been able to remember some of those people who have sacrificed their lives for us, or people who have just left our lives. For example, my uncle, um, he's no longer with us. Uh, he passed away last year, and I was able to go see him at the cemetery, which I was very thankful for. So hopefully you had the opportunity to do that as well. But the most important thing was this race weekend, one of the biggest race weekends in motorsports. We had the Indianapolis 500, and we also had some three action pack races at Charlotte, including the Coca-Cola Six. So there's a lot to uncover. First things first, let's talk about the Indianapolis 500. I mean, I really can't have a racing podcast without talking about the biggest race in the country, the Indianapolis 500. It turns out that Helio Castroneves got his fourth Indy 500 victory in the 06 car. I honestly did not see this one happening. I thought it was going to be someone like Scott Dixon getting the victory or Ryan Hunter Ray, Simon Pagano. I mean, Helio Castroneves only runs on a part-time schedule. He only runs on the Indy races. And not only that, he's not racing for Teams Penske or one of those big teams. He's racing for Michael Shank Racing, the same team who has Jack Harvey as their main driver. And for Helio Castroneves to join the likes of AJ Foyt, Rick Mears, and Al Unser Sr. is absolutely incredible and well done for him. 46 years old and he can still wheel it around that racetrack getting a victory. Could this mean that he has an opportunity to run full-time in IndyCars? In the next year or so, maybe there's a very good chance of that happening. Also, at the same time, he's been dominating a lot of other leagues that he keeps racing at. So, I don't know. I think he's just going to take this victory and ride on with it because he was running down the front straightaway. It was one of the coolest things, one of the best celebrations I've seen in a long time for the Indianapolis 500. Good job for Helio Castroneves on getting his fourth victory at the biggest racetrack of them all, the Indianapolis 500. But now let's move on to Charlotte Motor Speedway. We have the trucks, we have the Xfinity, and the Cup Series all racing this weekend. Let's first start off with the first one, the North Carolina Education Lottery 200. Alright, so some quick little facts here for the Camping World Truck Race at Charlotte. There was a lot of controversy that came in before the racing even got started. And that was because of the practice situation with the PJ1 traction compound. It looked like the traction compound was just not selling into the track that well, making it extremely loose took out seven different trucks. It was just a wreck fest for practice. So there was a lot of people throwing a fit about that, which I don't really blame them. I mean, these are not like the top series teams who already put a lot of money into it. These were also smaller teams who were struggling. Some of them didn't even have backup cars, so they had to go and try to fix those cars as fast as they could. So that led to a lot of controversy between all the teams, but luckily after practice for the X-Fanity series, it looks like the traction compound was starting to stick into the racetrack. So they didn't have to worry about 
about that too much longer. And we had five cautions for this race for 31 laps, including one that we need to talk about because oh, it was just a scary accident. And 12 lead changes amongst nine different drivers. But in the end, it was the number four of John Hunter Nemechek once again getting another victory for Kyle Busch Motorsports. He gets his third win of the season, first one at Charlotte, and also wins the Triple Truck Challenge, getting $50,000 added on to his winning purse. He is your winner of the North Carolina Education Lottery 200. Finishing second is the rookie Carson Hosevar in the number 42 for Nice Motorsports. Finishing third, we have the number 99 of Ben Rhodes. In fourth place is the number 52 of Stuart Friesen. Right at the top five, we have the number 38 of Todd Gillen. Finishing sixth, another rookie, the number 18, excuse me, of Chandler Smith. Finishing seventh, we have the number 66 of Ty Majeski. Finishing eighth is number 19 of Derek Cross. Finishing ninth is number 16 of Austin Hill. And round up the top 10, we have the number 21 of Zane Smith. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10, the number 98 of Christian Eckes finishes 11th. Haley Deegan in the number one finishes 13th. Grant Enfinger in the number nine car usually runs the number 98, but since he's running part-time, he runs the other races in the number nine. He finishes 14th overall in this race. And then some drivers who were not able to finish this race due to accidents or engine problems. We have Matt Crafton with some engine problems on lap number 114, finishing 30th. Johnny Sauer, Trey Hutchins, and a really bad accident, finishing 31st, 32nd. We also had Chase Purdy and Sheldon Creed getting into each other on lap number 55, taking them both out of the race and ending their day. Sucks for Sheldon Creed because he was the stage winner of stage one. And then rounding out the field in the 38th position, we have the number 25 of Timothy Peters, having some steering problems and exiting a race on only lap number 13. And that is your final results here for the North Carolina Education Lottery 200, the 10th race of the Camping World Truck Series. So, quite a bit of news to talk about here in this race. First one we need to talk about, I think, is the last place car, the number 25 of Timothy Peters. It was just reported that Rackley War, the team that owns that car in the number 25 truck, said that they are now parting ways with Timothy Peters after 10 races. Peters, unfortunately, it was his time to come back, and we were hoping for a lot of good results, and it just hasn't happened. He sits 21st in driver points with an average finish of 25th. That's not what we were expecting out of Timothy Peters. So now he's going to get replaced out of this car. I don't know if we're ever going to see Timothy Peters again in the future here in the truck series. We might, but right now it's kind of looking pretty slim. And Josh Berry, kind of the new substitute driver for these smaller teams, is going to be running the next three races for this team in that number 25. So, hey. Let's hope to see Josh Berry, if he's going to be able to compete well in this number 25 team, maybe get a few top 10s, maybe even run for a victory. Who knows? But kind of exciting news for this number 25 camp, but bad news for Timothy Peters. Now, at the beginning of the race, it looked like it was going to be Sheldon Creed's race. And Sheldon Creed needed a good race just for the simple fact that he had sponsorship in this race. He hasn't been running with sponsorship hardly at all this season. So they were doing good at the beginning. And then unfortunately, on one of the restarts, got pushed out of the way by, I do believe it was Todd Gillen. Just was loose that entire lap, just trying to get speed, just wasn't able to do it. He was dropping positions left and right. And then finally, him and Todd Gillen got loose on lap number 55. And Sheldon Creed uh, spins out. Out, and it looks like he was going to clear everybody, but then his partner, the number 23 of Chase Purdy, gets right into him, damages both their cars, thus ending their day. Sheldon Creed was obviously not happy. I mean, he was having a good run in this race, and unfortunately, he gets taken out, only scoring 12 points. He does already have the victory right now, but honestly, he's trying to score as many playoff points as he can to just try keep up with the winner, the number four, John Hunter Nemechek. John Hunter Nemechek 
I think this was one of the smartest moves that he could have done because he went up to the number 38 team for Front Row Motorsports. Yeah, that's great. Getting your opportunity to run the Cup Series after only running like part-time in the Xfinity. That's huge. But you could tell that he was not quite ready. He was still spinning out in a lot of those races, still struggling. Actually, he acquired the most cautions of last year, which is not a good sign. He wants to come back down with a good team. And I think right now it's really paying off for him. Uh, He is looking like the best truck of the year by far, the one to beat for the 2021 championship, and I don't really see anything stopping them. Kyle Busch Motorsports has some great cars, and this could lead to an opportunity for him to maybe move up to Joe Gibbs, because I know that this team is uh, affiliated with them, obviously, because Kyle Busch runs for them in the Xfinity and Cup Series, as we all know. So this could be a big opportunity for John Hunter Nemechek to start on over, move on to the Xfinity Series with the dominant car, and then maybe be in one of the Joe Gibbs cars. There's a really good pathway right now setting up for him. And how about for Nice Motorsports, the number 42 of Carson Hosevar? Hosevar was running fairly all right. Nothing spectacular at the beginning of the season. Like, he only had one top 10 finish. After that, it was like 12th, 12th, 14th, 21st, 24th, 23rd. Nothing spectacular. It was just like, oh, Nice Motorsports, they are struggling. And then all of a sudden, the last uh, three races, third place, seventh place, and now a second place, almost getting the victory. Now I know why Nice Motorsports picked him up. Has a lot of potential doing really good right now. You know, I don't think it won't be long before we see this number 42 car in victory lane, especially with the running out at Charlotte. Keep an eye on him on Texas. I think Texas is a, little, is a lot similar to Charlotte, and it's going to provide him with a really good race. Who knows? Maybe Carson Hosevar is actually going to be the best rookie this year compared to the other top rookies. I mean, we got Chandler Smith. We also got Haley Deegan. A lot of people have been keeping an eye on those two drivers, but Carson Hosevar, you shouldn't keep your eyes away for too much longer. He might be in victory lane here very soon. Could even potentially be next week at Texas. And then lastly, let's do a quick shout out to that number 66 truck of Ty Majeski. I don't know if Thor Sports Racing is going to keep running this truck. I know that they ran it last week at uh, Coda with Paul Menard and now they brought it back once again. But last time we seen uh, Ty Majeski was back in Darlington in the middle of the year. He finished 13th and after that it was done with him in Nice Motorsports. So for him to come back, he needed a good run and to get a top 10 right here. Hey, well done for Ty Majeski. We'll see if it leads to any more opportunities for him. But I just want to give that quick shout out because when you're able to come back and run near the top 10 I'd say that's always a good run now before we get into the Xfinity results I almost forgot to talk about this let's focus on the big accident that really caught a lot of attentions and that was Trey Hutchin Johnny Sauter and Drew Dollars. Drew Dollars was making his debut. Uh, really not the best debut in the world. He struggled in practice. He ran to the wall and then he got caught up in this accident with about 10 laps to go. But the biggest thing is regarding Johnny Sauter and Trey Hutchins. That was a scary, scary accident. I don't care how long you've been watching the sport. That one brought a lot of fear to me because I've seen accidents like that and it usually does not end well. Thank goodness both drivers were okay, but there's a lot of problems with this one. I mean, the fact that NASCAR never threw the caution when this car was going at max, max like 20 miles per hour after he hit the wall was very bad on NASCAR's part. And then the the still not throw it until right after Johnny Sauter makes that big collision that's just that's really bad. There's there's no other way to put it. And I don't know if it was because that that's a little blind spot because they said the spotters kind of have a hard time seeing that area. And also it didn't help that Trey Hutchins' truck was black, but I mean the 14 on the car was still neon yellow, so you can still clearly see that truck even though it's under the lights at night. Just 
a really, really bad uh, thing to see, and hopefully something like that does not happen again because we can't have accidents like that. That's unacceptable. Johnny Sauter was uh, shaken, and he was very upset, which rightfully so. I don't really blame him for being upset about that incident, but NASCAR, there's no need to try to uh, spread it out and think, oh, well, maybe you can get up to speed, especially when they're coming out of turn four like that, running that slow. That caution needed to be thrown out right away because... Almost John Hunter Nemechek and Zane Smith, the front two runners of that entire race, almost got taken out too. Imagine if one of those trucks would have hit that opening end of Johnny Sauter. We would have had a severe, severe accident, already more than what it already was. So, yikes. Let's just be grateful that no one got injured in this accident, but, ah, man, NASCAR, we got to pay more attention to that. We can't have that stuff happen again because I used to be an official over in dirt racetracks, and if we did not throw that caution out in time, someone was going to get hurt. And there were times when we were off by three seconds, maybe two seconds, and already no one saw the caution until they were going full speed on the front straightaway. So they need to be more precise with that. This is the top series. You can't be doing stuff like that. Now let's move on to the Saturday race, the 12th race of the Xfinity Series, the Elsco Uniforms 300. Alright, so what separated this race from the Truck Series races, we did have some drivers who failed to qualify. This includes the number 61 at David Starr, the number 77 at Dylan Bassett. Dylan Bassett has only made one race with his team right now, and he wasn't even the one driving it. It was Austin Dillon, so really rough year for them. The number 47 at Kyle Weatherman also didn't make the race. The number 07 at Joe Graff Jr. The number 52 at Greg Galding. Hopefully those two got together and they could talk to each other because, man, they've been fighting almost every single week. Uh, probably not. Probably they're still pissed off at each other. And now that they were in both in the D&Q spot, they probably were even more upset. So let's see what happens at Mid-Ohio after that one. <laughs> and then we got the number 74 of Bailey Curry and the number 90 of BJ McLeod not making this race. And we also had 10 cautions for 51 laps in this 200-lap event. So 25% of the race was ran under caution. And then we had 12 lead changes among seven different drivers. But in the end... It was the young gun, the number 54, Ty Gibbs, once again getting another victory for that number 54 of Joe Gibbs Racing. He is victorious and gets his second win of the 2021 season in the Xfinity Series. Finishing second, we have the number 22 of Austin Sindrick. Third place is the number 20 of Harrison Burton. Finishing fourth with an impressive run near the end, the number 68 of Brandon Brown. Finishing fifth, we have the number 31 of Tyler Reddick. Finishing sixth is the number 99 of Chase Briscoe. Finishing seventh, we have the number 23 of Ty Dillon. In the eighth spot, we have the number 19 of Brandon Jones. In ninth, we have the number 10 of Jeb Burden. And round out the top 10, the number 51 of Jeremy Clements. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside of the top 10. We have the number 7 of Justin Allgaier, just barely missing the top 10 with an 11th place finish. We also had Noah Gregston and Daniel Hemrigan to an accident near the end of the race around lap 186. Both of them finished 27th and 28th respectively. And then we had Ryan Sieg with some problems with an accident around 150. He finishes 31st along with Josh Berry in the 32nd position. A.J. Allmendinger, who finished second in both the stages, unfortunately ran into some problems with his brakes, costing him a good finish and maybe even a potential victory, finishing 33rd. And rounding out the field, the driver who was substituting for Brandon Govic, the number 26 of Grant Enfinger, unfortunately gets into an accident at just lap number 26. Brutal finish for that number 26 team. And that will conclude the final results here of the Osco Uniforms, 300. So the first thing we need to talk about is the bad luck that happens to that number 18 of Daniel Hemrick. Like, what does this guy need to do to get into victory lane? I mean, he had such a phenomenal race, led 50% of this race, and just not 
able to get the victory. Gosh, when is he going to be in victory lane in that number 18 machine? And I know there's a lot of pressure on him. When you're in that number 18 car, you are expected to be victorious and run really well in the Xfinity series. And don't get me wrong, he's been running really well, but he just hasn't been able to secure that victory. That's putting a lot of pressure on the driver, and now he's starting to think maybe he's in the hot seat now if he doesn't start performing, even though he has been doing pretty good. He needs to get that victory soon, man. Just just horrible luck for the number 18 car. But the one who had amazing luck has been the number 54 machine. I mean, you, it doesn't matter who you put in there, except if you're Ty Dillon. That car runs really, really well. And Ty Gibbs now getting the second victory. And in all honesty, I feel like this victory was way bigger than the Xfinity race at the Daytona Road Course, which is a big statement to say because that was his first ever race in the Xfinity series, and he was victorious. So why do I consider this one a little bit bigger? Well, just for the fact that the Daytona Road Course has been kind of an experimental track the last couple of years. Charlotte is one of the biggest racetracks to win at. And he was able to do it with such finesse. It wasn't luck. He was able to move up towards the front, almost wrecked his car around stage number two. And let me just say, he is just grateful Yeah, they decided to change the front straightaway to turf and not grass because if that wouldn't have happened, that car would have been destroyed and we wouldn't be talking about Ty Gibbs right now. Maybe we'd be talking about him constantly getting worse every single race. Now he comes back in, gets a victory. This guy is going to be the next best thing. I know it does kind of help him out a little bit that, yes, he is grandson to Joe Gibbs Racing, but he is showing what he can do in good equipment. I mean, look at the ARCA series. He has led over 90% of the races that he has ran. 90%. This is not just saying, oh, he's led a lap in one race. No, no, this is all the laps put together that he runs in that ARCA series this year. About 90%. That's unheard of. That's like a freak of nature. I don't even care if that series does not have that many competitors. Nobody's doing what this young gun is doing right now. And Ty Gibbs is showing that even in the Xfinity series, he is top quality. I don't even know if you need to put him in the truck series. He's proving that he can do good in the Xfinity series. I don't think this would be too much of a stretch to pull him up here and be like, oh no, we're we're spreading him thin. He needs practice down here. I don't, I wouldn't say go up to the cup series immediately. That would be quite foolish, but Put him in here in a full-time ride next year. Hopefully, he can get some sponsorships because, my God, he's able to beat the likes of Austin Sinrick, Noah Grayson, Daniel Hemricks, Justin Allgaier, some of the top dogs in this race. Now, a few of you might be a little upset with him because of the incident that happened between him and Chase Briscoe in the number 99. Chase Briscoe with BJ McLeod Racing impressed me so damn much because, let's be honest here, BJ McLeod does not have top-of-the-line equipment, and then you have the number 14 driver in the Cup Series come on down and run this car and run it near the front, similar to what Kevin Harvick did with the same exact team at Coda. It's pretty damn impressive what they're able to do, and I really like seeing these Cup Series drivers move down with these smaller teams, giving them an opportunity to run near the front, because even with Tyler Reddick in the number 31, with Jordan Anderson racing to get a top five, was absolutely impressive, but I'm going a little off track. What happened was Ty Gibbs was doing everything he could to get passed around the number 99 machine and then goes a little high, takes the air off the back of his car, and he spins out. 
Definitely don't want to do that when you're trying to get your feet wet in here in the Xfinity Series is take out a Cup Series driver. And he was very apologetic. That was the first thing he said. Uh, we'll see if Chase Briscoe accepts the apology or not. Obviously, he's very upset about the whole incident because uh, Chase Briscoe was looking to be the guy to beat. And by the end of it, it looked like he was. But Ty Gibbs was able to come up near the end and able to fend off Austin Sindrick and Harrison Burton for his second victory. Also, a quick shout out to Ty Dillon in the number 23 machine. We have seen the bad luck add-on continuously for him, maybe even worse than Daniel Hemrick this year. And now he finally gets a top 10 with our motorsports, which is still a pretty good team. It's not the top team like he was running in the number 54 car, but still a really good team. And for him to be able to finish in the top 10, I think that was well needed. Hopefully Ty Dillon can get more opportunities. I know there's some of these smaller cars that are looking to put any driver they can just so they can make it to these races because this is right now the most competitive league in NASCAR right now is the Xfinity Series to try to make it into the race, try to race it in and try to get your owner points in because now looking into mid-Ohio, since Josh Berry is driving the number 31, it looks like the number 13 car will no longer make the race, which is kind of a bummer for NBM Motorsports, but you can't just rely on just making it in, just being lucky with the owner points at the beginning of the year and not producing any results. I'm not saying that they're not trying. It's just, we knew this number 31 car was going to be good. I mean, Jordan Anderson knows how to make a good team. He's been able to do it in the truck series. Uh, It's just unfortunate that he's had to uh, sit out all these times because we have no qualifying. Now he's gotten an opportunity. Unfortunately, he's not running the car, so he's not going to be running for the rookie of the year anymore, I don't think. Uh, Ryan Vargas and Jade Beford are really pulling away on that at this point. But at the same time, he's still being smart enough to put top drivers in there. Now you got Josh Berry in there, and hopefully they can get that owner points even more. But it's going to affect NBM Motorsports and some of those other teams running behind. Now you got this team finally making these races, and it won't be long before they start passing some of these guys in the owner points. And then lastly, quick shout out to Chuck Announce and all the NASCAR drivers who were able to announce this race. That was really fun to hear from all of them. It, the only thing was they didn't really have a lead announcer, you know. Sometimes a lead announcer kind of keeps everything together and kind of gives us the best rundown of every single lap by lap. Unfortunately, we didn't have that, but still, it was a lot of fun, and seeing those guys joke around with each other was just a good time, so... Overall, a pretty good race. I mean, you can never go wrong with these Xfinity races. They seem to bring the most action as um, they have top-of-the-line drivers running for the victory. And at the same time, a little bit of action going on in the back of the field where cars are getting loose, slipping, and sliding. It's a lot of fun. Now let's move on to the biggest race, the Crown Jewel event, the Coca-Cola 600 that was held in Charlotte on Sunday. Alrighty, so some quick rundowns here for the Coca-Cola 600. We only had four cautions in this race. Three of them were due to stages ending, well, kind of, uh, the last one was involving the number six right into the wall right before stage three ended, but there was fluid on the track around lap 174 after Kurt Busch blew his engine, and then there were 23 lead chains amongst 13 different drivers, and who was the driver to get victorious? Well, finally, after so much bad luck on trying to get that second victory of the year, it was the number five of Kyle Larson sweeping every single stage here in the Coca-Cola 600, scoring the max 70 points and leading 327 of the scheduled 400 laps. He is your winner of the Coca-Cola 600. 
Finishing second, we have the number nine of Chase Elliott. Finishing third is the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing fourth is the number 24 of William Byron. Finishing fifth, we have the number 48 of Alex Bowman. Incredible run just for Rick Henrik once again. Finishing sixth, we have the number three of Austin Dillon. Had a good run all the way around. Finishing seventh, we have the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Eighth place, we have the number 17 of Chris Buescher. Ninth place, we have the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Finishing 10th, we have the number four of Kevin Harvick. Finishing 11th, we have the number two of Brad Keselowski. In 12th place, the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 13th is number 12 of Ryan Blaney. 14th is number 23 of Bubba Wallace. In 15th, we have the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. Finishing 16th is the number 43 of Eric Jones. Finishing 17th is the number 22 of Joey Logano. 18th, the number 21 of Matt DiBandetto. 19th, we have the number 7 of Corey LaJoy. And rounding up the top 20, we have the number 34 of Michael McDowell. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20. We have the road course Daytona winner, the number 20 Christopher Bell, finishing 24th. Finishing in the number 29th position, we have the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Just lots of problems for him, and he finishes nine laps down. Really bad run. And then rounding up 37th and 38th is the Chip Ganassi drivers, the number 42 and the number one machine, both having the same exact problems with the oil belt early in the race. And that is your final results here for the Coca-Cola 600. So first things first, the dominance with Rick Henrik Motorsports. NASCAR was talking about it all this week. When are they going to pass Richard Petty Motorsports? It wasn't a matter if, it was just when. These guys have been so dominant this year, especially finished one through fourth at Dover, and now finishing first, second, fourth, and fifth here at a Crown Jewel event just shows that Rick Henrik is a dominant team. And who was going to be the one to surpass them? And it was finally Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson with this move to Rick Henrik was one of the best things that could have happened to him and he has really brought this team up to the next level. I mean last year yeah you had William Byron get a victory and Alex Bowman get a victory but it was mostly the Chase Elliott show with the other drivers there. I mean Jimmy Johnson couldn't even get a victory and make it into the playoffs. Now you got Kyle Larson in in that old number 48 camp and then Alex Bowman just changed his number from 88 to 48 and we see the dominant team that we used to see in the mid-2000s, and honestly, this is a really, really young team. I think the oldest one is Alex Bowman, and he's and he's still in his 20s. So this team, if they can keep everyone together, my goodness, it's going to be a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with for the next few years to come. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished one through fourth again. I mean, they almost did in this race. Kyle Busch was the only one to kind of break up the party, and you know he was trying to do everything he could. And it was actually very close. I think 10 more laps, maybe something else could have changed up there in the front of the pack. I mean, those guys were all running really close. Now, the problem with this race, if you were not a Rick Henrik fan, this race drove you nuts because honestly, there wasn't much going on throughout the race at all. It was mostly just pit strategies. Cars go out on the racetrack. They try to pass each other. Uh, you could see a pass from time to time, but it was really, really hard. This was due to the fact, I don't think it has anything to do with the PJ1 uh, traction compound that everyone has been throwing under the bus this weekend, which I understand. They they said it was going to really uh, bring up the racing once again where you can run in multiple lines, and it really hasn't been like that, and it's mostly because of the side draft that these guys get on the straightaways. Every time a guy would get beside someone else and finally look like getting ready to make that pass, all of a sudden the other car would go as close as they can to them, and once again they slow down and they go right behind them, losing all that ground. Nobody could make a freaking pass, and it's so upsetting for some of us because it is so close to being great. 
If they didn't have that side draft, we would have saw spectacular racing. So I don't really want to blame the PJ1 compound. Yes, it may have not been the all-fixed solution, and there's been some races where it's been a real letdown. I'm not going to lie. They're, they're Like Atlanta Motor Speedway, it didn't really do anything for that race. This track, I see it. I see it. It's so close, but the side draft ugh, just kills this Gen 6 car as it has been the last seven years. And you really didn't feel that passing at all. Really, the only time a guy could really pass if someone got loose or someone got stuck behind traffic. Quick shout out to Josh Balicki because, my goodness, he was like the front page of every single pass, it felt like. That dude went 17, 18 laps down, actually, so very off the pace, but it seemed like every time someone needed to make a pass, Josh Balicki was right there to block the driver and complete the pass. It was it was absolutely great. Um, Mechanical Manny and I sat down and watched the race together. Every single time we saw that number 52 car, we were just like, yeah, there's another pass getting ready to happen. Woohoo, Josh Balicki. It was it was a lot of fun seeing that that uh, constantly happen. But at the same time, it's also very frustrating because that was the only way these cars could really pass. So I mean, if you're a Rick Henrik fan, you love this race. It's absolutely a spectacular race. Seeing these guys running first through fifth. But if you're any other fan, this race drove you nuts. And, you know, I don't mind a race where there's not a lot of wrecks. I'm not watching NASCAR to watch wrecks. I'm watching NASCAR for good competition. And in a way, we did have good competition. I mean, yeah, they were all Henrik Cars plus Kyle Busch running near the front. And they were all sticking really close, uh, minus Kyle Larson. He just dominated this race altogether. That team just had dialed in. However, it just stinks when all these guys are nose to tail, nose to tail, nose to tail, and you know that none of them are going to pass each other for the next 10 laps. And when once tries, they get loose. That guy's going to get passed all the way to um, to the back of whatever that trail is. And then, bam, it's going to be like that, going to be like that for about 10 laps. And then, once again, someone's going to try to make a pass. And if they're able to, then the guy who got passed is going to get passed by everyone else. It's, it's just not fun. I, I don't want to see a train race. I want to see a good action-packed race where passing is constantly made going on throughout the entire racetrack. Someone doesn't have to worry about side draft. They can just get through and compete against the leader. That's when you make a really good race, and that's what's going to bring back kind of the greatness that is the Coca-Cola 600. And the last thing, and the thing that really excited me, is the fact that the first time in about, I don't know, 16 months, it felt like a normal NASCAR weekend, didn't it? I mean, we had full capacity, it looks like. We had practice going on, qualifying going on. It just felt like things were slowly getting back to normal. Now, I know at Sonoma, it's not going to be the same. They're running on partial capacity, and you got to wear your face mask at all times, and they're not going to have practice and qualifying. Kind of sucks. But we're starting to see it slowly go back to normal. And it, it just felt good, you know? I, I don't know what, how you guys feel about it all, but it just felt right. To see that crowd back out there again and seeing those fans just going nuts, having a good old time, and just being able to see cars, being able to practice, get a feel for the track, have the qualifying go on, see drivers that you would not expect. I mean, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., guys who kind of run around the top 10, maybe the top 15, they they could show what they could do. And even Daniel Suarez in qualifying, everyone started to turn their heads towards them. And that's what these teams need. If they want to compete against these top teams, they need a little bit of recognition. They need a little bit of momentum. And definitely doing that in qualifying and practice really helps. And then also that extra practice could help drivers like Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch strives on that. Chris Busher did really good in this race, finishing in the top 10. It was just 
felt it just felt good, you know? That's all I can really say about it. The racing, yeah, a bit lackluster. I mean, we we just gonna have to fight through this year with the side draft. There's no there's nothing that's gonna be changing that. But without that side draft, I think we have ourselves a really good race here and Overall, what are the other teams going to do to beat Rick Henrik? It is so tough right now to compete against those guys. When those guys are running first through fourth near the end of the race, the only guy that can really do anything to separate them out is Kyle Busch. And not to get the win, just to finish in the top three. Damn, man. Just damn. They are so good right now. And let's see if they can keep the streak going. I mean, Sonoma could see Chase Elliott back in victory lane. Hell, William Byron and Kyle Larson aren't that bad on road courses either. So, who, who knows? I, I can't wait for that race, and I can't wait for that. Overall, this race, ah, mid-tier, a little lower tier, just for the fact that there was no passing going on. That can always kill a race. Uh, however, still, there's a lot of potential here, and I don't think it's to blame the PJ1 compound. Maybe it has a little bit to do with it, but I think overall, we have something really, really close. It's just what will the Gen 7 car do next year at Charlotte? And that will conclude the final segment of today's episode. No no award show. We're going to do that one tomorrow. I, I want to get this one out as fast as I can. But most importantly, oh, I can't wait for Sonoma. It's going to be the first race that I get to see here in the 2021 season. Some of you guys have been messaging me. I, I greatly appreciate when you guys message me on NASCARfieldfiller.com because I get to communicate with you guys. I've been able to communicate with you guys also on Twitter. Make sure to follow me on there at TylerV33. Uh-oh, expose my name. You can also look up Vanilla Wafers. I think the only thing you're going to deal with is the cookie company, but I like to message people there. I've been able to message people who've been absolutely kicking ass in our fantasy league, like Thundergun. Gosh, he, he keeps winning now. It's just just embarrassing at this point. I still haven't gotten my first victory, but you know, it's just so great to hear from you guys. I hope to see some of you at Sonoma. Some of you are going to be there. It's just going to be fun. This is this has been awesome, so I can't wait, and hopefully you guys are excited as well, and above all, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out, so you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.